Brother Dave. Thank you, Eric. Take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 2 tonight. Uh, we have, uh, could theoretically be the most upperclassman lesson of the, the year in regards to some upperclass material, in regards to college almost type material, but we have kids here, and I'm going to try to keep things as simple as I possibly can, but we're going to use some fancy terms here tonight of, uh, of uh, philosophy and psychology and so forth, and Gnosticism, as we're going to look at, and we'll try to make things simple, and we'll try to get right to things here if we could. I, I would like to say, though, I look forward to the day. It's still a ways off. I mean, maybe, maybe a whole nine months, ten months off, a year off, maybe, where we can have a children's program again on Wednesday nights. It's so important to have that, of course. And we, it seemed like last August, I'm going to start complaining here, but uh, last August, things kind of went, started to go south here. We lost a number of good people. As you know, I talked to Caleb Schnur today, as a matter of fact, and uh, uh, doing fine down. He just bought a new house down in uh, North Carolina, of course, 10, 10 houses away from the church there. And of course, we lost uh, the Schnurs and then the Hearts and then uh, the domino effect, as I call it. And then, of course, COVID hit. And here we are a year later. And, uh, but things are looking up. Linda's here, so we're in good shape. So, <laughs> so with that said here, let's, let's let me try to get serious if I can. Let's, for time's sake, let's read just three verses of Scripture, the same three that we ended up with last week. I'm referring to Colossians 2, verses 8 through 10. And um, you like to stand. I know some of you would like to stand, I guess. So this is stand in respect to the Word of God. And we have just three verses, so we'll read them in unison tonight here, all right? Colossians chapter 2. Great verses to memorize, and verses 8 through 10 as we understanding, we want to try to understand a little bit more about Gnostic heresy uh, in the minutes that we have together tonight. So let's read together here, verses 8 through 10. Ready here? Reading together. Ready? Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. We want to deal with the subject of the know-it-alls, the Gnostics, as they were called, the Gnostics, or the, uh, the word Gnosis, or it's really the word Gnosis, of course, G is silent, of course, but we get our word knowledge from that. And Gnosticism takes on many forms. We want to look at the family and forms of Gnosticism tonight and bring it up to modern day 2020, October or September 30th, 2020, what's happening in our world, in our America today. The leaders, the know-it-alls, the, the, uh, the uh, smarter-than-God crowd, and we'll look at them here in a few minutes here. But the Lord says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments, I could say after the religion of men, after the rudiments are the elements of the world and not after Christ. So let's ask God's blessing. Heavenly Father, now, just in the minutes that we have tonight, Lord, we have uh, seven-year-olds and we have 70-year-olds. And, Lord, we have uh, folks that have some college education and, Lord, some folks that, uh, Lord, are just learning the language. And so I pray that, Lord, I might be pertinent and relevant for everyone within the sound of this voice within the next minutes to, to take your word supernaturally by your Spirit of God. And speak to our hearts, we pray, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated tonight. I'm going to spend long in review because we've got a lot of material to cover. We looked at the features of Gnosticism, though, just a 30-second soundbite. We saw historically it absorbed non-Christian thought into the Christian faith. This is written around 55 A.D. or so, first century uh, stuff here, and the philosophers, the philosophers of the day, I said that word the way I wanted to say it, the philosophers, not philosophers, 
but the, the fools of this world, the wisdom of this world is foolishness of God. They, uh, and this Gnosticism took off, of course, in the second century, and we'll talk more about it in detail in a few minutes here, but we looked at the features of Gnosticism, both historically, philosophically, practically, similarly, similarly theologically, Christologically, inevitably, and for time's sake, we're, that's all we're going to say. Um, rather than look at verses or the family of Gnosticism at the beginning of the message, I'm going to skip to letter C and spend seven minutes. Uh, I hope I don't lose you here. Here's the upperclassmen stuff tonight here. Regards to as Paul's starting his firsthand his attack on this Gnosticism of his day that was creeping into the church at at uh, the psychology, this philosophy that was creeping into the church at Colossae, and uh, the, like the Athenians in Acts chapter 17, they spent their time uh, le- trying to learn something new all the time. There's some people that try to, they're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I alluded last week, I said somebody I spent an hour and a half with that uh, they're a very intelligent person as far as the world is concerned. Much college, much uh, academia, but they're, I'll just be honest with you, they're wise fools. They got all kinds of knowledge, and it's like, we, we, this is the supreme knowledge right here we have right here in our hands. And uh, in Christ, in him, we are complete in Christ. We have everything when we have Jesus Christ as our Savior, of course. And so we don't take a second seat to anybody in wisdom and in knowledge and in philosophy of life and so forth. So uh, let's go to uh, four forms of Gnosticism. Now, remember Gnosticism, the word is, uh, again, it comes from the Greek word, and it means to know. The Gnostics, they felt they were superior to the Christians or anybody else for that matter because they, 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 they were the elitists again. They had academia on their side. They had supernatural knowledge and they had mysticism on their side. And we'll get to that in Lord willing in about 15 minutes from right now. But there's four forms of Gnosticism in varying forms. First of all, there's something called docetism. Rather than have you fill in the blank, I just figured I'd give you the word. A docetist or docetism as it's called. The word uh, dosa, it comes from the Greek word to seem, to seem, to S-E-E-M, S-E-S-E-E-M, to seem like. And this teaching of docetism is teaching that believes that matter was evil or matter is evil. And so therefore Christ, if Christ came in, he was in his body, there's no way he could be God because Matter's evil, and God's not evil. So that was the, the, the premise of the docetist. They said there's no way that man could become God. And the Jews to this day, many Jews, many the Chuck Schumers of the world, uh, would uh, I guarantee you he denies that Jesus Christ is God. How can, how can Jehovah God be God? And uh, that's what he said for many, uh, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of Jews. And... Uh, but I'm reading from the, Christ cannot possibly be associated with the human body. Despite the clear teaching of the New Testament, the man, Jesus, only seemed to have a human body. It was a figment of your imagination. It was a, 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 a what do you call that? Uh, I can't, the word's slipping me. Uh, when you see something that's not there, uh, a- apparition or, what was that? Mirage, Mirage that'll, that'll work. That wasn't the word I was looking for, but that'll work. Uh, he, he was not born... He did not die. His body was an illusion. This form of Gnosticism denied the humanity of Christ. I just, you know, you say, preacher, this is way, this is, you'd be surprised how many people believe variant forms of this type of Gnosticism, this docetism. I was with, uh, well, we, you just need to hear this. I was with the United Congregational Church of Christ preacher. He's been burning in hell for a number of years now. 
He's an infidel, smart guy, uh, intellectual idiot. And uh, quite frankly, I'm just being uh, truthful. And he, he took great joy in telling me that he didn't even know if God existed. He, he took great joy in telling me about Jesus. He wrote a 300, 400-page hardback-covered book about Jesus. He didn't believe in his humanity. And uh, so he says we have docetism. Then number two, we have Serinthianism. Uh, this guy, Serinthian, he, he lived approximately 50 A.D. by the time of his writing of this book to 100 A.D. And he was... Uh, Egyptian from the School of Alexandria in Egypt, just for you folks that know your, like to know your world history, Alexandria, Egypt, that was like the Cambridge or Oxford of the day. That was like the Harvard of the day. That was the college of all colleges of the day in Alexandria, Egypt, in the now River Delta belt of Alexandria. It's still there. The Romans are still there today. And, of course, there's, there's, uh, and he's from e- Egypt. And, of course, one of the smartest guys in the whole world, supposedly, uh, well, Eusebius and... Uh, Oh, I hate when I just draw a mental blank. I'm the smartest guy in the whole world. You see how smart I am. I can't get his name out. Uh, uh, oh, that's going to bug me too. Uh, anyhow, the Albert Einstein of the School of Alexandria, uh, this, this is where the, the elites went. And Serinthian, Serinthius, rather, who is his name, he taught that Christ came, from, came upon, or pardon me, the Christ or the Messiah came upon the human body of Jesus in the form of a dove at his baptism and left him at the beginning of his sufferings at Calvary. According to them, this explains why Jesus cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This form of Gnosticism denied the deity of Christ, the deity of Jesus. And so Docetism, I know, let's try to make it simpler. Docetism denies that Jesus was a man. Uh, Serentianism denied that Jesus was God. Two forms of variant forms of Gnosticism. Now I want you to turn over to a couple pages and uh, uh, two pages back in your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. Now I want you to see the, the kenosis as it's known as in the Greek language. The Bible says in chapter 2, Philippians 2, 5, we see what's in theological terms, you may want to write this to your upper class when you write down this word after uh, somewhere besides uh, Serinthianism and Docetism. Write down the word hypostatic union. That Jesus is both, or another way of saying it, to use two Greek words, the theanthropic union. Let me explain that. I mean, let's go to the verses here. And I, for the last time, I apologize for some of the kids that are in this room. Try to make this simple if we can. It's hard, pretty hard to do for me. But it says... Verse number 6, for time's sake, Philippians 2.6, who, speaking about Christ Jesus in the previous verse, being in the form of God. Now, God is a spirit, right? He is. Being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. The God of all gods, Christ came from the highest of high to the lowest of low. God became flesh, greatest mystery of godliness. I mean, this is a miracle of miracles. This is the great mystery of the Bible. That Jesus said, God humbled himself so much that he took upon himself the robe of flesh. He became a babe in the manger. I mean, does that blow your mind? I don't know what does. He lived for 33 years on planet Earth here. And he, he was all God. And he, all, he was all man at the same time. 
we call it the hypostatic union or the theanthropic. For those who say, I don't understand those words. It's not that hard. Theos is the word for Greek. We studied, we're studying theology right now, the study of God. So we have the theos and the anthropos. That's the Greek word for man, anthropology. So the theanthropic union is the God-man union or the hypostatic union in Jesus Christ, that he was all God, he was, all, he was human, he was our kinsman redeemer. And so, uh, again, greatest mystery of God in this. And so this is uh, the, the Gnostics, they denied that. They said that, that, that would be like impossible, that would be like a miracle. You know, everything about God's a miracle. Your life is a miracle. The fact that you're breathing tonight is a miracle. I mean, your blood's pumping is a miracle. The blood in your veins is a miracle. I mean, there's all kinds of miracles, and it's all because of God, the God-man. Well, back to number three and four for time's sake here. A third form of Gnosticism, not only Docetism and Serenthianism, but asceticism. This is the idea that... Uh, Things do, the things to do with stringently denying the body its desires. The body needs to be starved and scourged and made to suffer, is the fill-in-the-blank word. Asceticism, uh, self-flagellation, self-beating self, uh, yourself, self-destroying your body, self-whipping, and self-trying uh, to gain favor with God. There was a guy by the name of, his name was Simon Stylites. He lived in the 4th century, and he was uh, renowned for his incredible feats of asceticism. He, he perched himself on a, on a pillar 60 feet high in the air and uh, just big enough room to sit on, and he lived there for 30 years, and they, they brought up, they, with a pulley system with ropes, they'd bring up scraps of food, and he would sit up there for 30 years, and he was the king of... Uh, if you were a citizen, he tried to gain favor with God by, by uh, torturing himself. Uh, everybody, uh, the people groups all had different forms of asceticism with their, within their people structures. Like the Jews, for example, they had the Essenes. Just a quick sidebar, when I was in uh, the Dead Sea, we were at the Dead Sea and we're at Masada, and it's, uh, that's where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. We went and visited the caves. And we think that John the Baptist was, uh, some think that he was an Essene, but I don't think so, but he, he fellowshiped with the Essenes, and they were the right-wing religious group of the, the, the uh, Jews, and they separated themselves, and they, they uh, a form of self-denial, self-sacrifice itself, uh, they, 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 they ate very limited foods and so forth, and they purposely, they... They tortured their body, if you will, so they could be closer to God. You see, that's silly. Well, that's what the Essenes did. Another group of people were the Stoics in the Greek uh, uh, societies. Well, the Stoics, and they were, they were uh, proponents of denial of, of the flesh and denial of uh, food and wine and drink and so forth. And then, of course, with Christians, uh, you know, we have, the, we have in, and I put Christians in parentheses because we're talking about Catholics mainly, but... You have monks, and you have uh, monasteries and so forth. And you know, sometimes monks take a vow of poverty, and they take a vow of, uh, of course, celibacy, and they never marry. And then they also take a vow of, uh, uh, in some cases, where they don't talk for 10 years or 5 years or 2 years. Can you imagine that? <laughs> and not, not talking for... Some of you... No, let me not, let me not go there. 
Let me just get off there before I get on it. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. But number four here, for time's sake here, we've got to move on. Antinomianism. Now, this is the exact opposite of uh, asceticism. This is a variant uh, form of uh, Gnosticism. In my personal opinion, you know, the smartest form, which I'm, and I'm being facetious for you folks, I don't mean that, but uh, this is the eat, drink, and be merry for the more we die philosophy. This is uh, Gnosticism since we... We might as well live it up uh, uh, and indulge our appetites to the point of where we're saturated and, and satiated to the point of exhaustion. Just live it up. I mean, go for all the gusto you can get in life. It's a Budweiser beer commercial. You know, go for you only go over once in life to so go for all the gusto you can get. And who are the proponents of this form of Gnosticism? Well, the Epicureans for sure and the Nicolaitans and, uh, took this road and they were, live it up. And that, 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 that's uh, the large majority of America is uh, this form of Gnosticism, if you will. So with that said, let's spend, uh, we touch on all five of these, the family of Gnosticism. Let's go back to letter B. And just in the minutes that we have tonight here, and we won't be long, we'll be out on time for sure. But let's look at, if we could, back to Colossians chapter 2. And just a very brief survey of the rest of the chapter of chapter 2. As Paul begins... He starts off with that word in verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. We see this, the first form of Gnosticism, that is intellectualism. And you may want to write down, if you'd like to take your notes, or maybe in your Bible or alongside intellectualism, uh, you see the word philosophy, two Greek words again, philos, love, sophist, uh, or, or wisdom, lover of wisdom. But when we think of philosophy, we think of psychology. Did you know... In psychology, there's over, last time I checked, and uh, I wrote down a 20-year-old note in my Bible here, but I, I tried to Google this here, and it's just it's ridiculous. I didn't want to spend a week trying to figure out how many isms of psychology there are in the world today. But uh, last count, it was over 2,000 schools of theology. I remember learning in, in uh, I had a three-hour class in sociology and one, one in uh, uh, philosophy, of course, uh, two or three hour class in philosophy. We learned about uh, B.F. Skinner. Everybody remember that name, you old folks? Uh, and uh, Skinner and uh, behaviorism. And then Pavlov, I always like Pavlov. Pavlov Pavlovian's dog, you know, learned motor responses and learned. Uh, and then, uh, then there's, of course, Sigmund Freud in uh, psychoanalysis. And then there's uh, Maslov. And on and on the list could go. Of course, we go back to the the, the Philos and the uh, Aristotles and the Socrates of the uh, ancient Greece and Rome, of course, and all these different schools of psychology. So people say, I believe in psychology. Which one of those 2,000 schools of psychology do you believe? They'll disagree with each other. Four things about psychology. This is free. I just want to give you one. number one. Uh, psychology is not science but religion. It's a faith. Over 2,000 different schools of psychology. Number two, the best kind of this is, a, this is a, one of the second myth of psychology. The best kind of psychology, uh, or, or counseling rather, uh, mixes psychology with Christianity. And uh, I, I have to be careful here. We have from time to time, this is Sunday, Wednesday night, so I can just be blunt with you. But this, now, for the last 30, 40 years, there's been this new world of Christian psychology. Mixing psychology the study of the psyche, the study of the sukkahs, the soul, with the Bible. 
Folks, listen, we already have, the Bible says in Psalm 119, 128, Therefore I esteem all things concerning all thy precepts, concerning all things to be right. Therefore I hate every false way. We have the answer in the word of God. We really do. And there's many people that say, well, you know, you need to, you need to have a psychology too. And we have all these psych majors and no longer, I mean, you know, I can't, I can't counsel a lot of people because I, didn't, I don't have a psychology degree. You can't, you're not equipped. You don't have a psychology degree. Did you ever think about this? You have somebody, someone called the Holy Spirit of God in your life. You have the Bible. Can you one-up that? I don't think so. And see, this is a myth of psychology. Well, I went to Harvard or I went to Quinnipiac or wherever you want to take, and I got a psychology, a psych degree. Really? That's wonderful. I'm being facetious. Three and four, the third and fourth myth of psychology. Thirdly, people experiencing mental and emotional behavioral problems are mentally ill. We have pills and so forth, and uh, I have to be careful here because uh, some of you know some things about lithium, for example, and I've been studying these things casually as a lay student for 40 years now. And I've somewhat changed my mind. I believe that it's possible to have some chemical imbalance. I believe that... Uh, there's some things in that uh, low, low sodium, low, low uh, lithium in your, you know, and uh, sometimes we need some, pardon the slang, we need some dope for the brain. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, we, uh, so there's the medical issues is that, that can tie in and affect us spiritually speaking. That's true. I don't deny that. But the idea that people experiencing mental and emotional problems, behavioral problems, they need psychologists. Maybe they need a, a dose of the word of God. Maybe they need a dose of finding out that the, uh, the, the sin is uh, a great plague in our lives and it can hurt us. And so then number four, the fourth myth of psychology is that psychology has a high record of success. Ah! No, I don't think so. And it's like uh, the idea that uh, you know, psychology, we have more problems than ever before. We have more. You know, I was, when I was a little boy. Did you know? Back in the 60s, we had something, early 60s, when I was five-year-old, we had something called the Bible and prayer reading in school. I don't believe, now I could be wrong about this, I should check with my parents, they, they graduated in 1956 from the same high school that I graduated from, 1976, or same elementary school. But I don't believe that they ever had anything called, I think they had guidance counselors, but they didn't have therapists. They didn't have counselors, they didn't have psychologists, school, school. Now, now these kids got to have all this psychology Got in and, and, and Paul is rebutting this. The Bible says, Beware lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and tradition of men after the rudiments of, of the world and not after Christ. So, this one first form of uh, uh, family member of Gnosticism is that of intellectualism. Then, verses 11 through 13, and I just have time to just touch on these verses. Notice uh, ritualism. In whom also ye are circumcised with the, with the circumcision made without hands, in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And there's physical circumcision, literal circumcision, and then there's spiritual circumcision. And uh, the Bible says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein, ye are, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. This is just a side variant. I want to run it for 30 seconds. We'll get back on tra track. 
We just started a series of messages on covenant theology versus dispensational theology in Sunday school. Covenant theologians, most, by the most part, they're reformed in their theology, and so they, they sprinkle babies as a, their form of baptism. Now, they use these two verses that we just read, 11 and 12. They, read, they, 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 they allegorize the word of God and say, aha, circumcision, the baby boys, Jewish baby boys were to be circumcised on the eighth day. Therefore, Christians, the new church of Israel, which uh, they need to be baptized as sprinkled as babies. They get that from these verses. That's a bunch of gobbledygook is what that is. Baptism, the baptism I believe that it's referring to, of course, in this baptism uh, that we identify with is, of course, of course that of believer's baptism of, of, of uh, water baptism. It has nothing to do with circumcision. And, and it's not a sacrament. We don't have, one of our sacraments is not baptism and Lord's Supper. These are ordinances, two ordinances of the church. And we'll look at that in more detail. So we, but another school of Gnosticism or another family variant of Gnosticism is that of ritualism. That, well, well, of course you baptize by sprinkling because that's what the church teaches. That's not what the Bible teaches, though. Then number three, for time's sake here, let's go to verse uh, 14 and 17. Blotting out the handwritings of ordinances that was contra- against us, which was contrary to us, and t- taking it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Now, the Bible says, James 2.10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law... And yet offend in how many points? One point. He is guilty of what? All. Can anybody keep the law? Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believeth. When he died on the cross, the second to last phrase he said, remember, was what? It is finished. And the veil of the temple ran from top to bottom. And there was direct access into the Holy of Holies. And we have, a, we have a great high priest, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We can go directly to him, through him. And we are not under the law. Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believeth. Now, law is good if it's used lawfully. It's, it's, good to, it's good to use your law. You know, thou shalt not steal. It's a good, uh, um, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not uh, uh, covet, thou shalt not bear false witness, on and on we could go. Those are good things to live by, golden rules. But we're not under the law. Legalism is, uh, we're, not, we're not held by the law. We're, the, the writing of ordinances is blotted out uh, that was against us, because we can't keep it. Verse 14, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Christ died on the cross for us, uh, and uh, paid it all. Verse 16, let, let no man therefore judge you in meat. I like that verse. Oh, did I tell you? I, I got to run this rabbit trail just real quickly. So Eric, uh, this just popped in my head. So Eric, we were out to lunch with Eric on, uh, on Sunday afternoon, and he says, I got my mouth full of food, and there's, there's music playing in the restaurant. And he says, well, my dad is a, he says, my dad is a vegan. And I thought, and I says, your dad is a vegan? I thought he said, I thought, he says, oh, yeah. He says, uh, yeah, he, 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 he is. I said, how long has he been one of those? This is about a year and a half. I thought he said vegan. He said, my dad is a deacon. And I said, I said, I said uh, 
no, 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 that can't be right. No, your dad, I'm thinking in my mind, Rambo, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> Deerslayer, he, and, and he's a vegan. I says, I can't believe that. I says, you're telling, you, we're back and forth for about a minute. He says, he started getting mad at me. He, said, he was trying to explain to me that his dad was a deacon, and I was thinking his dad was a vegan the whole time. It was, a, it was crazy. And so finally, uh, he finally got straightened out, but uh, how to get out? Oh, so back to the verses here. Let no man judge you therefore in meat. I love meat. I love pig. I love swine. I love pork. I love bacon. Thank you very much. I'm a Gentile. Thank you. Now, I, I probably shouldn't love it so much. You can tell I love it. You uh, make, uh, go to the side of the pulpit. You know I love that stuff. And, um, and with that said, you know, and we're, Lord, we're going to look at this in a little bit more detail in the coming weeks maybe. But, uh, you know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they must have been uh, vegetarians. Nothing wrong with being a vegetarian if, it's, if you're doing it for right reasons, for proper reasons. But uh, it says, let me finish the verses here. That no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of an holy day or in the new moon or the Sabbath days. Of course, it's always Jewish in context. Which is a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. You see, Christ is the, we're not under the law in any way, shape, or form uh, uh, that now that we're in Christ. And so uh, the third family of Gnosticism is that of legalism. Then we get to mysticism, a big fancy word. Verses 18 and 19, it says, Let no man beguile you or deceive you through your reward and involuntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. I shouldn't, uh, shouldn't admit this, confess this, but I, uh, when I was a boy and... Uh, we did it silly. We did it. We, we went over to our relative's house, and we, I don't want to, don't want to ask him. Hopefully our kids don't even know what a Ouija board is. But uh, we, we, we used to play with the Ouija board and try to get that board to, and I didn't know I was dealing with stuff I shouldn't be dealing with. I was just a kid. I was a seven, eight, nine-year-old kid, and we were just playing with our cousins and so forth, and I don't know who instigated that stuff, but, but uh, entering things that we should have not entered into. It was all innocent in my case, you know, and uh, we tried to scare each other and, you know, turn the lights off and all that stuff and have a candle. And, and, uh, but when I got older, I realized that that stuff, there, there is a satanic world. There is, an, uh, there is a, a world of, uh, uh, of the dark, the dark side, of course. And, uh, so it says uh, this mysticism, you know, I think of the Witch of Endor with Saul, ta- Saul, of course, uh, uh, preceded David, of course, and uh, it says verse number 20, or verse number, excuse me, 19 it is, and not holding the head, that's Jesus Christ, from which all the body by joints and bands having nourished, nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. You see, once again, when we have the head, when we have Christ, we have everything. We have wisdom. We have supernatural wisdom that comes from above. There's wisdom that James says that comes from beneath. It's devilish, sensual. And so he sees his mysticism. And lastly, and of course we touched on asceticism already, but verses 20 to 23. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ, verse 20, from the rudiments of the world. Now, when did you die with Christ? This is, give me a verse here. When, when did you die with Christ? When you got what? When you got saved. Paul said this way, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. 
Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am a Christ one. We call it Christian. We're a little Christ. We're walking in his and when, you, when you're a little Christ, do you need anything more than that? You, you, you have in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And so uh, we, uh, we're not, verse number 20 again, we're dead from the rudiments of this world. Why, as so living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not. Uh, there is some legalism again, and there's some asceticism, and there's some. Turn to First John or First Corinthians ten thirty-one real quickly here. I'm just glancing at the watch or the, the clock up there. Oh boy! Don't don't turn there. Let me just. Uh, I'll pick this up, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks here. I won't be here next Wednesday night, but uh, uh, all things are clean to them that are in Christ Jesus. I'm talking about foods and so forth and so on. And there's some bad food for you. Don't misunderstand me. And we'll get into that in another, maybe more detail. But uh, it does make you more spiritual because you, uh, I'll end with a silly illustration, but uh, uh, Lester Roloff, I saw Lester Roloff. Uh, how many of you remember Lester Roloff? Anybody here? Yeah, I got to quit using that. There's like two people I remember Lester Roloff. <laughs> he died like 30, 40 years ago. Lester Roloff drank no coffee. He was wicked. I have to have my Dunkin' Donuts coffee every morning. Yeah. Call me a stinking sinner. Lester Roloff would be mad at me, but uh, no, he wouldn't be mad at me. But he, he chose, willfully chose not to drink coffee because of caffeine. That was his, right? And his homes he had, they didn't drink coffee and so forth. Nothing wrong with that when it's voluntary. That's the key word. Not mandatory, not not uh, pressed upon you as a form of spirituality or religion. Well, let's uh, in Christ dwells all the fullness of Him in the Godhead bodily. Let's have a word of prayer, Heavenly Father, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this little intense, little bit deep Bible study tonight, Lord. But Lord, help us to understand that we have everything in Christ. And Lord, I pray that dismiss our blessing. Help us to walk with thee this week. And give us a great Lord's Day this weekend and a great weekend. It's coming up and we'll thank you for it, Lord. Bless as we uh, close out our service with just a, one song we pray. In Christ's name we ask, amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing just one verse of, uh, if Brother David, you'd come here. Just one verse of uh, something upbeat here. How about victory in Jesus? That'll work.